And what you see here today is a part of a longer journey that we've gone on for almost four years. And uh, Mission House serves to, one, to gather people together in the presence of God, around the Word of God, and to then send them out as they discern the Lord's work in this community. And that's what our worship, that's what our praise, that's what our preaching, our teaching, our discipleship is around that mission, is to mobilize you, yes. an army of love, into this community. Yes. So we're going to begin a series uh, for the next couple Sundays. And I'm so excited. We're starting our weekly services today. Uh, we've been doing monthly services. And so we're starting a series uh, today called Make War. Now, I've had a couple friends that were concerned. They were like, are you calling for armed revolt? Are you calling for a revitalization of the Black Panther Party? What are you calling for? And so what we'll be talking about for the next three weeks is a part of the Christian tradition. And it is called spiritual warfare. But I hope that this morning that the scriptures will speak to us in a very powerful and innovative and creative way that maybe you never have, maybe that have heard it before. So before we begin, let's jump into our text. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, now, those who've been with us have been tracking us for the past several months. We've been talking about boot camp, right? We talked about all these basic uh, teachings and practices of the Christian faith, from worship, from prayer, and reading scripture, and uh, baptism, and uh, the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper. And so, you know, like I shared with many of you before, uh, I was in the Navy once. And before they sent us out to the fleet, they sent us to boot camp. And in boot camp, basic training, we learned the basics of what it means to be a sailor before you went to the fleet to protect the sea lanes of America. And so, once you leave boot camp, then they send you out to war. If you're in wartime, of course. In peacetime, they just send you out as far as, uh, you know, I was in a submarine force. And so when we, in peacetime, we would say, we're just punching holes in the water. And so the next phase of this is to talk about what does it mean uh, to engage in spiritual warfare, not only in our communities, but also in our own lives and in our families. Let's read. Oh, cool, yeah. Thanks. I think I love it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything that you can do, 
He says to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, Paul says, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I also may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen. So this is the text we'll be uh, listening to for the next three weeks. And so today, though, I want to talk about a part of this. Before we even get into taking up the armor, putting on the armor, uh, uh, standing against the, the wiles and strategies of the enemy, I think that's an important point that I want to raise before we get into this. One of the last things that Paul says in this text is that he is an ambassador in chains. Now, all of you, I've, never, I've actually never uh, went to a foreign country. But I think I have friends here now who've been to foreign countries. And in foreign countries, you know, many of us here are United States citizens, maybe not, and that's okay. Uh, but United States has embassies all over the world. And what an embassy is, it is a station, a place, a building, a patch of land that is representative of the country that put it there. So the United States, for instance, has an embassy in France, has an embassy in different uh, countries in Africa. So I think the American embassy may be in Paris, France. And so literally in Paris, France, which is the country of France, within the country itself, it has an embassy stationed there, which is a building, it's a plot of land that is considered American soil. And what the United States government does is it sends a representative that runs the embassy called the ambassador. And what that ambassador does is literally represent the country from what that sent it. Paul says that I am an ambassador in chains. So what do ambassadors do? You know, one of the things I love, and, and my family knows this, and some of my friends know this, aside from my, uh, you know, obsession with zombie, you know, zombie movies and post-apocalyptic movies and the end of the world type movies, one of my obsessions is I love spy movies. Right? In particular, I love espionage. Jason Bourne, James Bond, you know, I just love it. I don't know, it's something about the agility of the agent and how he's able to be thrown into a situation that seems to be no way out and he finds his way out of it. Maybe it might, that might be my fixation with that. But there's always this scene, I don't know if you ever noticed, everybody seen these kind of spy movies before? There's always this scene where they're trying to get away from the bad guys. And they're trying to make it to the embassy, right? 
And so they're like in a foreign country, they're in a hostile territory, and they're trying to make their way to safety, to refuge. So they know that in this hostile environment, there's only one place that they can go. To the embassy. Why? Because the embassy represents a different culture. It represents a different way of being, a way of seeing, different values. And quite frankly, those movies, they're trying to find safety. Because they're American citizens, they'll find safety there. But here's the thing about being an ambassador. An ambassador is a foreigner in a foreign country. An ambassador represents a different culture. They represent a different set of values. They see the world differently. They live in the world differently. They treat people differently. They treat people based upon the customs and values of the culture in which they come from. Paul says that I am an ambassador in chains. What he was saying is I represent something different. I've been sent from a foreign land. Now I'm in this foreign land. And that's the thing about the gospel. Now, now Paul is in prison. Make no mistake about it. Paul is a political prisoner. Because he's preaching uh, another gospel. Sometimes this gets missed on Christians in North America that when Christians in the early church proclaimed the gospel, they were proclaiming something that was very subversive and revolutionary. They were proclaiming a different gospel, a gospel that proclaimed that one, that God is in charge, that Jesus is in charge, that Jesus is the king of a kingdom that's based on love and forgiveness and, rest and, 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 and sharing of resources and, and unconditional love toward those, towards love towards the enemy. It's about standing in solidarity with those who have been crushed by the social and political forces of the world. So Jesus going to proclaim in this kingdom of God message, proclaiming the kingdom of gospel, good, good news, that God through Jesus is now Lord. <clears throat> so this is why Paul gets locked up. Because Paul is in a Roman culture. In a Roman society, there was only one Lord, Caesar. And if you proclaim a different Lord, you were in uh, opposition to the world as it was. This foreign territory, this foreign land. <clears throat> so Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. Because he was an ambassador, because he represented something different, he now found himself in chains. And when I was reading this, this thought came to me. The gospel will transform you into a spiritual, illegal immigrant. The gospel will change you transforming into a spiritual illegal immigrant. Jesus died the death of a criminal. Not just any criminal. But 
But Jesus threatened the very order of the world as it was. <coughs> they had to get rid of him. Matter of fact, it even says in some of the gospel accounts, it says, man, if we don't get rid of this guy, the whole mind of Roman Empire will come upon us because he's challenging the very structure of the reality in which we live in. We'll get more deeper into that as, as the Sunday's progress. But the gospel will change you into a foreigner in your culture in which you were born. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. This is what discipleship is. This is what it means to become more and more like Jesus. It is to become, the, become a foreigner in the very culture in which you were born. Now, this is a challenge to those of us who are Americans because we put our American identity before Jesus sometimes. <coughs> Jesus said, Paul said, this is, my citizenship is in heaven. Primarily. So the gospel will transform you into an ambassador. The gospel will transform you into a foreigner in, the, in your own native land. Why? <coughs> because you look different. And so Paul, quite frankly, if we can just capsulate that and summarize that, you are being shaped to be a representative of kingdom culture. In this city, in this, in this region, you are called <coughs> to be a representative of kingdom culture. But yet, we're in a foreign land. As the gospel begins to provoke you, <clears throat> as the word of God begins to challenge you and invite you into the following Jesus, you begin to realize how foreign you're becoming to the culture in which you live. You ever find yourself watching TV and say, man, why in the world are they doing that? Why are they doing that? When you begin to see people do violence against each other, it begins to bother you. That's when you know that you're becoming an ambassador. Things begin to look different for you. So we're talking about spiritual warfare. Now here's the thing about warfare and war. <coughs> we live in a culture. We live in a foreign land, if you will. I know some of you are from here. But once you get snatched up by the Holy Spirit, and placed into the kingdom of his dear son. When he says, Paul says, we've been translated from darkness into the light, into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians. Even where you're born begins to look forward to. But here's how our culture, even our own city and our own community, thinks about war. It says this. We have that. So, the first option is this. This is how we're taught to make war in our culture. We're taught that to make love and not war. You've heard this before? We got some 60s folks, right? During the era of the Vietnam War, right? You know, they had people who were, you know, peace-loving folk, uh, hippies and so forth, and, um, you know, even come back to the Civil Rights Movement, the phrase of make love, not war. And we kind of have that today 
but it's, it's kind of the way it plays out is a little different. So the way that it looks is, in the face of opposition, in the face of all the things that we are challenged with in our community, uh, we say, you know, hey, it's all right. We're just going to let bygones be bygones. We don't want no conflict with nobody. We don't want to be in opposition to anything. So it becomes like a sentimentality, like this kind of syrupy kind of, you know, avoidance of conflict, avoidance of, uh, of discomfort. You know, we just want to make sure everything is all hung. Make sure the world as it is, as it is. Oh, just everybody's old hands and, you know, uh, you know, one of the things we've been talking about in our community is the issue of racial relations in our community. And so, you know, the temptation is to just come together, especially the churches, just sing some songs together and say, you know what, man, we really dealt with the power of principality of racism today. We came and sang some songs and ate some chicken together. <laughs> Why? Because we want to make love and not war. And I understand. Some of this stuff is uncomfortable to even deal with. But when you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God, Paul said, I was an ambassador in chains. Paul wasn't handed a bouquet of flowers from Caesar. Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. <clears throat> the second option in our culture is this. We'll be tempted with this. It's to make war and not love. and not love. And if you didn't know tonight, I mean, morning, if you didn't know until right now, we are citizens of the most powerful military, political, and economic force in the entire planet. We sit in the heart of that. And within our culture, <coughs> violence is everywhere. nation was founded in violence. Now, don't get me wrong. I served my country, and I totally get that. Right? I feel that push right now. See, we don't have top Americans. I serve my country. But I'm a Christian first. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. Jesus was here before there was America. So I love America with the love of Jesus. I love America as the ambassador of a country, of a kingdom, not of this world. And so, 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 make war, not love. Man, you ever sat down and listened to the American, our anthem? You ever sat down and listened to it? Right? It ain't about rainbows and skittles and everybody holding hands and singing along with each other. Y'all ever heard the song? Bombs bursting in air. It's a war scene. People dying. Bodies being blown up. This is the founding song of our nation. A military victory by violence. Don't get me wrong, I love this country. There's a lot here. There's, there's grace. God's grace is shed upon this country. 
many beautiful things, the diversity of this place, the, the creativity, the uh, uh, just the spirit of, of pioneering, and there's so many beautiful things that God has graced this country with, but as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, when we talk about engaging in spiritual warfare, you have to understand that when we're engaging against forces that have been here for a very long, long time, that precede this, even, even this country. So we're taught to make war, not love. also in a political season right now where people are making war against each other. We see it even here locally in our city council election. People calling people out by name. Attacking people directly. Because we live in a war culture in many ways. So the option is you're going to be tempted as an ambassador to make war by love. So what's the kingdom about? What difference does the kingdom of God make in the midst of a culture that says make love, not war, that says make war, not love? The kingdom of God says make war with love. Make war with love. <clears throat> now Sun Tzu, this great Chinese military strategist said this. He says, know yourself. But he also says, know your enemy. Paul tells you who the enemy is. This is important, what it means to be an ambassador. He says in verse 12, uh, verse 11 actually, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against who? Part there for a Notice that. Our struggle, our war, our fight is not against human beings. But the culture that says make war and not love that says attack them. Get at them. Take your head off. But the gospel, the word of God says that our struggle, our fight is not against other human beings. Why? Because human beings are made in the image of God. They've been created fearfully and wonderfully made. <coughs> you probably think you say, yeah, there's some people though that ain't, ain't, ain't human. <laughs> and if you're honest, there's moments when I ain't human. in the 
heavenly realms and the heavenly realms in a realm that you can't see. He ain't talking about up in the sky somewhere. In that realm and that reality that is invisible to you. He says spiritual forces of darkness. From his point, we're going to call them the powers. Is that okay? Can we call them the powers? The struggle and the fight is against the powers of darkness. What are those? What? Who? Anybody here study logic in school? Any philosophers here? Anybody study logic? In logic, there's a rule. It's called, you know, they have these things called logical fallacies. And there's one rule of logic that says when you get to a disagreement with somebody, when you get into an argument with somebody, and rather than address the issue or address their argument, when you attack them, there's a Latin phrase, it's called ad hominem. Which means you're not, you're not dealing with the issue. You're not dealing with the environment. You're not dealing with what's really going on around. You're not dealing with the big picture, but you're attacking the person that you are uh, in opposition with. So one of the ways that or what the powers look like, and we can argue about there's a whole lot of debate and discussion about what they actually are, but what we do know is this, what they do. Yes. <clears throat> what the powers do, they are spiritual forces that are present in the community that roadblock life. Yes. They stand in the way of human flourishing. They stand in the way of, of people discovering who they are, made in the image of God. It is, it is, there are forces that distract people from the realities, from the things that really matter in the culture. They distract you. The powers are spiritual forces in the community that blind you to injustice. They also blind you to your complicity, our complicity. Our participation in injustice. So you got folk arguing with each other, attacking each other on Facebook. <laughs> and there ain't even the enemy. <laughs> the city council right now, for instance, is an example. And I, just, I feel like I have to address this because it's all in the air right now, right? It's all over the place. Everybody's talking about it. It's predominantly white. And so, some of us more militant folks like myself, we want to attack the white people because of the racism that we've experienced. But like I told a political incumbent recently, and I challenged him, I said, I ain't attacking you. I'm attacking a spiritual reality that has been in play and deeply rooted in this community for centuries. So people want to attack the mayor, the deputy mayor, and so forth. But they're attacking them. They don't realize that there are spiritual forces, racism as an example, that have been in, ex in existence in this community for a very long time. And like I told the particular person I was talking to in the council, I was like, yo, you just got on this train, bro. This train was set off a very long time ago. Actually, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But I didn't want to get too deep with it right there. So I just got started with slavery. 
<laughs> so this is why as, as, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, we have to understand two things. One, we are ambassadors to people. How do we make war with love? One, we become ambassadors of love to people, to other human beings. They're not objects to be crushed and maligned and destroyed and, and trampled upon with our words or with our bodies or with weapons. Paul says, I'm an ambassador. We are ambassadors of the love of Jesus to other human beings, even if politically, economically, we disagree with them. Even if they are different than what we believe. We make war by being ambassadors to people. Second, we make war with love by making war in the spirit. Mm. See, this is a gift, a grace that Christians have. I ain't going to attack you as a person, but I'm going to make war in the spirit. What does this mean? That means I'm making war against these, these principalities, these powers that whose presence in our community wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. This past week, if I'm not mistaken, we've had three shootings, right? Was it three shootings this week in our community? It was four? Yeah, we had another one like a day or two ago. But then, I don't know. They just keep coming. Right? And what is that? Let's pray the Lord for mercy for our community. But what is that? That is people devaluing each other. They're making war without love. They treat each other like objects that can control and crush. But then at the top, you ever seen that movie, that TV series, The Wire, right? It really gets in there, right? The gospel helps you with that. The gospel lets you know it just, it just ain't the brothers on the street killing each other. But what are the conditions, what are the environment that causes people to act desperately toward each other? People that are coping with meaninglessness and hopelessness without a sense of purpose. Why? Because, you know, certain institutions have been defunded. Or, let me be fair, a certain value has not been placed upon education in these institutions that have traditionally been places of refuge for young people, a place for them to go to and learn what it means to be a good citizen in this community. So we love the people, but we fight in the spirit. Because the enemy comes to steal and kill, destroy the powers, they roadblock life, they distract us from what matters. We war against the powers. The powers. They are anti-life forces. I know you're saying, well, Pastor, man, it's hard for me to love people. <clears throat> and Pastor, you're talking about these, these big powers, these forces that uh, um, that have been here for centuries, that are very ancient, they go all the way back to the Bible days. Who 
do a beauty on me, how am I going to fight that? How am I going to fight the urge to not attack my neighbor, attack the person that offends me? How am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? How am I going to fight and resist these ancient powerful forces that want to destroy my community? Then I'll say, well, it's not you by yourself. It's we. Yeah, but pastor, there's only a few of us. Right? There's probably like 50, 60 people in here. You know, hey, you know, you're talking about fighting some old stuff. How can we fight this in our own strength? How can we love our enemies? How can we be ambassadors of love to people that have really hurt us in really powerful ways? That have deeply wounded us? How can we really love people that have wounded us? And disregarded us, has kicked us to the curb, and have not listened to us. Pastor, you crazy. <laughs> we can't fight them. But Paul says this. And this is our first Sunday, I'm going to end with this. Paul says, verse 10, finally, he said, hold on, let's go. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, there's a strength that goes beyond your own. So Paul said, when you are standing in the presence of powers that will seek to destroy you, your family, and your community, God says, Paul says that the Lord is your strength. He says, be strong in the Lord. And so what does that mean? That means first recognize that it is the grace of God that gives us the ability to fight in the spirit. It is to be in strength that comes beyond us. It is to abide in Jesus. And here's the thing. So the powers want to distract us, throw us off balance, fighting people that aren't really the issue. It is the strength of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to fight in the Spirit. Why is this important? How many of you would agree with me that Jesus knows how to fight. The Bible says he triumphed over the powers through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Jesus triumphed. He fought with love. He loved the neighbor. He loved the sinner. He loved even the religious leaders. He called them out on some things, but he loved them. He never attacked them. Matter of fact, he standing before Pilate. Before they crucify him. And Pilate looks at Jesus like, Man, don't you know that my life is in your hands? And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm laying my life down, bro. You ain't got power. You ain't got that much power to kill me. Somebody has to authorize that at the office. That's good. And then Jesus says this, because my followers, 
You know, he says this to Pilate. If my followers were of this world, this world, they'll be fighting even until now to deliver me. They would attack the other humans around me. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So they killed him thinking that they defeated him. That's the world's logic. They think they can win by killing and destroying and attacking others. But Jesus taught that I win by sacrifice. I win by giving my life over to something beautiful and great by God, the love of God. Jesus knows how to fight the powers that you encounter throughout the week. Jesus knows how to fight the opposition that you fight every single day in your own heart and in the world around you. Jesus knows how to fight. This is why Paul says, be strong in Jesus. Be strong in the Lord. He said, Pastor, that's all great. I believe that. But I want to give you a promise today. Hmm. The Spirit of God. Some of you right now, you are encountering something that's more powerful than yourself. It's overwhelming you right now. But I want to make a promise to you that's from the Word of God, from Jesus. The Holy Spirit will take you to the place of strength. The Holy Spirit, God, the Creator, will take you to the place of strength. As an individual, as a community, the Spirit will take us to a place of strength. Refuge. The power of the Lord. All this in the grace and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we just thank you right now for your word. God, we thank you for reminding us that the struggle is not against our other neighbors. It's not against those who would even hate us. Those who would even mean to destroy our reputation in our lives. But God, thank you for reminding us today that the struggle against powers and forces of evil that seek to destroy us by humanity, that are old. God, give us strength, trust in your power to remember that Jesus secured the victory over sin and death 2,000 years ago. And that in today, we can join in that victory. Join in the mission of your son. Bless your people today, God. Throughout this week, Father, take them to the place of strength, God. Wherever they're weak, oh God. For your word says, oh God, that in our weakness, oh God, your strength, God, is made perfect. Many of us are weak this morning. Many of us want to attack, want to fight others. Give us the strength, God, to love. But also give us the fearlessness to fight in the spirit today. 